0: Real quick, we're switching over to a new podcast feed. So this feed will have old feed in it and will be shut down in a few weeks. So search for The Unrestricted with Vex and the Bulldog. That will be the feed that we're going to be moving to in a few weeks. So please switch over and enjoy the show.
1: People are just tackling each other. It's like trying to get a cabbage patch on Christmas morning in
2: 1984.
1: They're literally killing grandmas to get into the money grab.
3: Welcome back to The Unrestricted. Jeff Vexler with the Bulldog, Richie Carnahan, joining us in studio. Carter Mayfield, our buddy of, I don't know, 40-odd years. You're a college football guy, Carter. Well, not really. Why? Has your interest waned the way mine has?
2: I mean, I don't know the history of college football. It seems like a a bunch of uh, guys were getting together and playing football and decided to have some schools uh, somehow attached to it, and that's how the whole thing evolved. I think so. I'm just distraught. I, I don't know what, what uh, college football is going to look like in the future.
3: Nobody seems to know. There's some interesting quotes from Kirk Street last week, that, uh, or this week rather, that I'll get to in just a second. But it seems like the whole system of college football has gone asses over elbows in the last 18 months.
1: Yeah, it's a money grab. Flat out. I saw that, uh, so the Big Ten is looking at billion dollar plus new
0: TV deal. Yep, $100 million per season, per school. Wow.
1: So people are just tackling each other. It's like trying to get a cabbage patch on Christmas morning in 1984. (laughs) They're literally killing grandmas to get into the money grab.
3: UCLA, USC, defecting from the Pac-12, which I think the three of us could all probably say we don't feel bad for the Pac-12, I mean. Nobody around here has any love for the Pac-12. I Pac-12 feel packs ass. Well, I, I mean, it's
0: it, it's been one of the worst run in college, in, in college football. It's the least revenue per school per year out of all the conferences.
3: And therefore, you see two of their flagship teams or flagship schools, USC and UCLA, leaving for the Big Ten. But what is this doing to the landscape? And obviously, we could talk about NIL deals, which, by the way, I want to put myself, plant my flag on this. I have no problem with college football players using their names, image, and likeness
2: to make money. None. You? Uh, no. Uh, well. Oh, uh, wait. Hesitation. I, I think, I think it's, I I think that the, the players have been screwed for the longest time in terms of the NCAA able to use that name, likeness, image, all that stuff, uh, and get cashed in on. Uh, on the same token, I think it's, generally it's all going to be bad for the game. And I feel like there is no, there is nobody running this nut house. Like, you know, this is not Vietnam, there are rules. There are no rules uh, <laughs> in college football right now. There are. None.
3: It's the wild, wild west. That's one of Kirk Street's quotes. I'll give you another one. Where is college football going? Where are college athletics going? No team wants to be left behind, and the money gap has never been wider. He's right. We are turning into haves and have-nots. And it's a bad time to be UTSA, by the way, who seems like they're up and coming, just to bring this locally for a second. it's They're coming up. They may get left out of all of this.
1: Yeah, and if they get left out of all of this, they don't have a TV deal, no one gets to watch them. Let's say they go undefeated. Can they even sniff playing?
3: Absolutely not. It'll be a tree falling in the woods.
1: Yeah, no one will even know.
3: 100%.
1: So I was listening to uh, Feinstein. He said that 24 teams... In the Big Ten, 24 teams and the SEC and everybody else,
3: good luck. That's exactly what Herb Street has to say.
0: Yeah, he's he's calling it the AFC, so. NFC of college sports.
3: Oh, he says football on Saturdays is going to closely resemble that of football on Sundays. And I don't think he's wrong. I think the 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 teams that have any sort of tradition, okay, Florida State, even though they haven't been good in forever, at least they have a tradition, they're gonna get gobbled up by somebody uh Clemson they'll get gobbled up by somebody Notre Dame they're going to They're going somewhere
0: Yeah if if you're an ACC fan or a Pac-12 fan goodbye you're done Oh and and the rest of them too The only the only conference that might have a chance of playing in this is the Big 12 depending on who they're able to bring in well, But they, but the ACC and Pac-12 they're out They got to be out They're, they're out.
1: out Yeah the the Big 12's already announced people they're bringing in they're bringing in Cincinnati Ooh.
3: Oh, can't wait to watch it gets, it gets the Bearcats better. and that historical rivalry between them and the Mustangs. Houston. And it's
1: just nothing that's that's going to move the needle. It doesn't move the needle well, at
0: all. They they need to bring Washington, Oregon, Utah, and deny the Big Ten those three schools. That would be a great idea. That would be a nice starting place. But what we are heading towards, and Kirk
3: Herb Street, as you mentioned a second ago, I think to clarify this for fans, and I'm quoting him here. another way to look at it, it's going to be the AFC and the NFC of college football. You'll have what? Four divisions within each conference. You may have two or three divisions within each of these Big Ten and SEC conferences. And I think you'll see, eventually, them go to like a 12 or 16-team playoff. And it will essentially be NFL football on Saturdays. And that's where this thing's headed before it's all said and done. To continue, and this is where it gets weird from Herb Street, who, by the way, he loves college football. Like That's uh, his life. Yeah, you yeah. might not like him, you might not love him, but you know that he loves college football and its sport. And he says, just wait until these players become paid employees. I think that's going to be part of this too. And I think this world I'm describing is going to break free from the NCAA. They'll create their own governing body, have a commissioner, they'll probably do a CBA with the players essentially making them employees, and then you'll negotiate a deal with them to avoid antitrust law. I'm sorry. What happened to fucking college football, man? It's gone? Like we're uh, It's gone. Uh, we're just watching it devolve right in front of us.
2: Hey, yes. Richie, uh, do you pick up many residual checks from uh, playing the, on the mules back in the day?
3: Just um,
2: they sold a lot of number twelve uniforms i presume twenty
3: two I, I you know I knew it was twenty two I yeah.
2: was close so it's like it's this this sort of love of the game is the reason that we like college football, and I feel like that's it's it's gone like that whole thing of college football when we were watching college football it's it's now become basically the semi pros
3: but wasn't all of that always a facade anyway? Because when you sat up in the expensive seats, you know, the uh, the ambassador's club, you know, the place that you actually can drink in a college stadium versus the rest of the place where they don't let the kids drink, right? And you'd overhear people. And all of all they're talking about is this kid they're bringing in next year who's 6'5", 345, out of Palestine, Texas. You won't believe this kid. And there's something very, like, gross and slave tradey about it. And you know damn well that that kid isn't going there just because he liked the tour of the campus. They were getting paid to begin with. We know that. So we, I feel like we kind of turned a blind eye to all of that for decades, Carter. And this is just the natural evolution of it becoming a little bit more above board
2: so I think I liked it better when it was below board when you didn't know about, about yeah it. Okay. well and they'd fight about it and like if you were a crappy team then you got the death penalty like SMU paid for everybody else's sins yeah and uh, and they got executed and Texas was doing the same thing and am was doing the same thing and they got by with it because they're better programs <laughs> bigger uh, names with more money and yeah. and it, it allowed everybody to say hey this game's clean look we we shot SMU in the head like this is this is this is how powerful the NCAA and how much we. So care you about want to go game. back
3: to just like uh, ostriching? Let's put our head in the sand and pretend like all of this is above board.
2: I, I think it's better. I think it's better than what
3: like what's happening right now. This is terrifying where it seems to be going, because we we know what this is, right? I mean, it it's literally the NFL.
0: the The problem with Herb Street's scenario is the NFL has a system built in to enforce parity, so you can go from last to first. In the NFL, every year. it's happens called, every year. It's called the draft for one. It's called the draft for one, easy scheduling for another. Yep. If you're Alabama, you're not going from first to last. Not Alabama. until Sabin's dead. The only way that system works, Herb Street system, is if they enforce some sort of parity. Are you sure?
3: Because I don't think that college football, college football in the NFL <clears throat> have two different sort of modus operandi. In college football, we've always been interested in the team that has the biggest legacy, the team to beat. A while ago, it was the Miami Hurricanes. used to be the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And this thing is a little bit cyclical about who is the the preeminent program in the sport. I don't think that that's the case in the NFL.
2: I agree. I agree with that. Because I think if you look at the NBA and the NFL and how are they successful, it's because they're all... In collusion with, with one another, there is somebody that's, that's governing the overarching structure of the sport to make sure it's, it keeps integrity. Uh, the NCAA is weak, and it's toothless, and that's why everything is falling apart.
0: Only, only in football and basketball. The NCAA works in the Olympic sports.
3: Sure as hell does. Swimming, gymnastics. What do all <laughs> those
2: sports have in common with, with one another? They, they don't, don't bring ha- in any money. Nobody watches them. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't bring in money like that. Yeah, it's great when when money isn't the uh, the guiding ethic over uh, how to manage the sport. Oh, all of a sudden, so when right. you can make money on it, uh, all of a sudden, uh, everybody wants to kind of do their own thing. You but are so right. In a
0: pure world, a college athlete is an amateur athlete, and they are going to school on a scholarship to get an education, not to fill butts in seats, not to make money. They are going there to play a sport they love in that has no benefit to them
2: other than their education. And we feel bad for these players. Okay, like, who's going to end up making the money? It's it's going to be the same story as the NBA and the NFL. Which players are really uh, – are we helping out with this system? Oh, the 1%, like the very top, top, top players. And all the other guys – they're still not going to get jacked. Like, let, let's not act like we create this system and all of a sudden that's going to be great for all players. It's going to be great for a couple of players. And it's not
3: so bad for for your smaller teams, like let's say at UTSA. A guy at UTSA might be able to supplement his income with a couple of hundred dollars per week by sponsoring Sherlock's Bar and Grill, right? <laughs> Just to name one out of the clear freaking blue, okay? Like, no, he's not going to be getting the big deal that the starting quarterback at the University of Texas is getting. But I think it's better for the starting running back, we'll say, at UTSA, to at least be getting a little something-something for what he's putting into the program. I mean, lest we forget, out of all of college football, it's only about 50 teams that make money on their college football programs. The rest of them, they lose. They lose money. So I don't know. If the rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to get poorer— I hate to say, I don't really feel sorry for college football. Why does does Incarnate Word have a football team? Can you tell me that? They lose like $4 million a year. Why have it?
1: Well, it's the hope and the promise that they're going to get good. And UTSA, the donor said, look, if we're going to bring attention to the university and pour money into the school, we have to have a football program. And they did a really good job of, of creating... Something out of nothing. Now, people know about UTSA not because of their academic achievement and or prowess. Mm -hmm. They know about them because
3: of the football program. That's absolutely true. And they rolled the dice on that and they seem to have succeeded. Unless all of this that we're speaking of goes through and it becomes basically a 60 team, uh, you know, NFL on Saturdays with 30 teams in each conference. Like, because UTSA ain't getting in there, bro. No, they're
1: not. And what happens to
3: everybody else? I don't know. Do they you, scrap you, them. They no, scrap you, their programs. You, you wind up being the same as like Division Two is for college football now. So is that where
1: it's going? They started different. That's think so. Tier I mean, one I, and then yes. championship
3: teams. Yeah, you'd call it the Power Five or something like that. And then, it, then everybody else. And then everybody else, they'd be called Division One, One A. I don't. I don't know what the hell You'd call it Division One with an asterisk. Non Power Five, and they could play whatever kind of event they wanted, and who the hell would watch it? I don't know. Not me.
2: The fun thing about college football was always that you would have like a, a Boise State or even somebody not a Boise State that would come and like punch a big guy in the in the mouth. Yeah, sure. Uh, and you lose that, like you lose that sort of underdog. Everybody in the in, in the U.S. loves the underdog story. The Appalachian State beating yeah, uh, Michigan. Michigan State, exactly.
1: Yeah. Okay, but. It, if we're, if we're truly going to create the best of the best, what's going to happen to Rutgers? Sorry, guys, you're out.
3: No, I think Rutgers somehow gets to stay in because they've already aligned themselves with the correct conference. Then the worrisome thing, and I'm sorry to tell you this, long run fans, which side are you on? Are you cannon fodder or are you the kickass? Because it could go either direction. You have to be honest about that. <coughs> you're playing in the SEC. It's this is big boy country.
0: The answer to all your questions is money.
2: Yeah, that's why Texas doesn't become cannon fodder. They're unfortunately too big of an alumni base and too much money there to to be able to to kick them around. Are you if sure you make have, it a money game?
3: Haven't they been kicked around for the last couple Oh, they of have years? been. How, how
2: did the Longhorn network uh work out for us?
3: <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like the money is actually like equating to wins and dominance for the UT football at, uh, team. It just does. It has, not lately. So now going to the SEC, I'm supposed to believe that It's going to get way better when you have to play Alabama and Ole Miss, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Look, it worked for the Aggies. They had the perfect storm when they brought in Johnny Manziel, and all the money was flowing from the oil wells in East Texas, and they went to the SEC, and they had a Heisman Trophy winner, and ever since... I don't want to call them cannon fodder, but they ain't no good. They beat Alabama last year. They
2: did. They in, did. They rose up and, and they, they won a game. They like beat that. them uh, during the Johnny Manziel area area again, and like that's their big claim to fame is that you can beat Alabama once in a while. It's like the whole reason Kansas has a football team. They want to get the Longhorn coach fired, and they <laughs> they're six. It's, it's what they do, and they're successful at it. <laughs> I <But> like that. <laughs> One
0: of the benefits of a system like this, though, is we see more games of meaning. Every weekend. God bless. You're right. Because one of my biggest problems with college football, and this
3: has been 20 years since I graduated from college, back when I actually was a college football fan. Now I'm really not so much anymore because you look at every single weekend slate and you go, okay, that game sucks. That game's terrible. Look, Look at just the spreads on these games. They're all over 20 points. Some of them are 40. Some of them are so big that Vegas doesn't even put a number on it. And maybe you get one good game in a college football weekend, and that's if you like watching Michigan against Northwestern.
0: And you'll get those upsets, those forty-point underdogs that do something crazy. But you're never gonna you're, you're never gonna go into Saturday going, okay, two o'clock, I'm 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 gonna watch Boise State play Alabama. You're gonna go, okay, Alabama's playing Auburn. I'm watching that game, and you watch the highlights of Boise State get close with Alabama.
2: It's yeah, it's it's been a poor incentive system for a long long time and you know when they brought together the bcs uh you know back in the day number one versus number two like then like the the chances of you scheduling a good team you know prior to conference play was was minimal to none yeah and theoretically this playoff system should have created some incentive to play some tougher teams and it hasn't five years ago
1: they should have increased the number of playoff teams absolutely and they said well the bowls you make those games a bowl of course. There was a way to do it, and they just didn't want to. And so now you've got this arms race, and you've got 75 to 85% of storied programs that are going to be left behind. Yep. And that's
0: sad. And, and I think if the Pac-12 and the ACC don't take their hard line against expanded playoffs, I think we're living in an alter, alternate universe right now. Or maybe all of this stuff doesn't happen. Explain. There was talk in spring last year, whatever, about expanding it from four to eight. Mm-hmm. Pac-12 ACC said no. And it had to be unanimous among the Power Five. Okay. Pac-12 ACC said no. This is, this is the consequence for the Pac-12 ACC doing that. God, they're, really, they, they're, they're reaping what they sowed. The Pac-12 are idiots. One of
3: the many things that Herbstreet said this week was that if you go to any team, any team in the entire Big Ten, that includes Northwestern, Purdue, Indiana, they have better facilities than UCLA and USC. How bad must the Pac-10 be run, Pac-12 be run, if that's the case? Like, you can't actually expect to compete with these other schools if that's the kind of money you're putting back into your program. It is an arms race, Richie. And it has been for a long time. Look, as a viewer of college football, I don't know. Maybe I'm a big winner if what Herb Street is, is forecasting comes true. Because I want to watch good teams play each other every single weekend. I'm down for that. It's still not going to
1: happen, though. Because you still have teams, I guess, they're grandfathered in in the Big Ten and in the SEC, the Kentuckys and the Rutgers sure, and the Vanderbilts. Yep. So if, if they're going to truly make it a business scrap everything, let's have a draft.
3: Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> all you, right, c- carry on. You know how
1: many schools are going to go into the East and the West because right now you've got UCLA flying to Rutgers <laughs> for a game. Uh, you, you, Natural you, geographical
3: ride, right, rivals.
1: Right, so you 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 can fly to Iceland from New York faster <laughs> than from New York to L.A.
0: And it's all okay for the football team to fly that cross country trip because they're gonna fly nice. They're gonna have nice planes. But think about the swimming team. The rowing team that has no money. They're I mean, they're flying on the plane for major league. Well and, and they and can row.
2: No, they're taking a train. <laughs> like they're yeah. not gonna let them take a take a plane cross country. Are you kidding me?
1: They're on they're on Greyhound. <laughs> I hope their uh their academics don't suffer. No, if we're if we're truly gonna make this about The almighty dollar, and we want to see the best of the best. Scrap everything. Let's have a draft. and Like a team draft? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You've got the East. you got the West. We'll fight for the scraps in the middle. And so let's say this is how the draft goes, right? They they, they put in LeBron's group. Yeah. And they're in charge of this whole, quote-unquote, college football. And I don't think you can do it for all sports. I think this is strictly football and then basketball. But with the NBA letting people come in, uh, children come in right after high school, we maybe just leave it how it is. This is is a football product. It's a draft. And the ping pong ball bounces, and the first pick is Alabama. Shocker, right? Mm -hmm. Do it again. Ping pong ball bounces. This is great. Now, are you bucking for a promotion? Do you want to be like the commissioner of this league? Well— I'll take uh, all kinds of money for my, my name, image, and lightliness.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and building on Richie's comment, I would like to see, in, in this scrap the system, rebuild it up, is relegation and promotion. So you can allow teams that are kind of at that bottom, Rutgers, UTSAs coming up, they can get promoted up. But I want to see the Vanderbilts of the world Give them to delegate.
3: That is an interesting idea. In American sports, there is no way we're ever going to have a relegation system in our professional sports: the NBA, the NFL, the NHL. But no college ch- is and professional. No chance. No, but you might be up. You might be able to pull that off in a collegiate sense. That's a great idea.
1: Well, I don't even know if you, if you call it collegiate in a sense. Like the only you get these kids that go to these schools, but let's not kid ourselves. For football, they're they're there for the money. So. I mean, I guess you can have a 600 SAT and go wherever you want to go as long as you're in one of these power schools.
2: Oh, I think that's been the case forever, bro. Yeah. I, I mean, bro. what? Are you, so, what are we talking about? So, how would that work? Because basically, right now it's the it's the conferences that that have all the power, not the NCAA. So it, w- it wouldn't be an NCAA draft. And so basically, you would have to declare. High school players would have to declare for either the SEC draft or the Big Ten draft. Is that the idea? And I guess just figure so. Out where you want to play? I don't know. This is a burgeoning idea, but
3: I like where you're heading.
1: Well, it, it's East and West, and I think each year the top 48 teams in the East and the West get to play with the big boys. Okay. And then, because we want parity, right? I figure. So then you're ranked. You're ranked on on strength of schedule, blah, blah, blah. You're ranked on wins. Um, Attractiveness
0: this, of cheerleading squad?
1: Yeah. old Miss would always be right up there. Real high. But – if you want the parity, then the, the the teams that just squeak into the Power Forty Eight, the East and the West, get to pick first. and And how do you do that? Well, the money, the money's got to be there, and the incentive's got to be there. I mean, I don't know, but if that's if if we're talking about truly an arms race, and you want parity,
3: you're never going to be able to draft players into college football. That ain't happening. That is always going to be a personal pick. You might be able to draft teams into conferences, but there's no way you're going to get colleges to draft players. That's antithetical to the entire process, right? Am I wrong?
2: That oh, can't I, work. I think the the big teams will not stand for it. I yeah. mean, if you're in Alabama, do you really want to draft players or do you want them to come to you? Of course. You know, you, you know who wants the draft is the worst teams. Right.
3: Yeah. Kentucky gets the number one overall quarterback in the nation. They get the Arch Manning.
2: Like, no fucking way is Texas letting that happen. It's the worst looking guy at the bar that wants the draft system. Yes. Right? The best looking guys, they want the tender. Right? (laughs) They're getting, they're in the top 5%. They're getting them all. How y'all feel out there? Do you feel
1: good? I said do you feel good, come on. The groove feel good when it make you move, make your next move, your best move. Uh-huh. I said the groove feel good when it make you move, make your next move, your best move. Uh-huh. It feel good, don't it? It feel good. Uh-huh.
2: It feel good cause you know it's good. Hey, it feel good, don't it? It feel good. Uh-huh.